Hello, and welcome to episode three of Time Ram. And they said it wouldn't last. If you haven't been with us on the journey so far, this is a Doctor Who podcast where we randomly select a Doctor, numbers one to 13, and then a Doctor Who story, numbers one to 298, and ram them together so you could get strange things like we've had so far as Colin Baker in Mummy on the Orient Express or Sylvester McCoy in The Crotons. I'm Paul Ferry, and joining me in the studio today are the two regular co-hosts, Rupert Booth and Barry Williams. Hello. Hello. Studio. Hello. Studio. Yeah, it's a sort of studio. It's a kind of studio, isn't it? It's a virtual studio, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Online space. It's like a studio that we ever could have dreamed. Yes, Mm -hmm. I kind of, well, since we're scattered to the four winds, it's the best studio we're going to get, basically. Yeah, this studio is about 300 miles long, stretching (laughs) from... Yeah, Sunderland yeah. to the south coast. So, you know, <laughs> it's a big studio. Yeah, beat that big finish. <laughs> they probably can, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, they probably can. Yeah. This episode, the, we've turned up um, the fourth doctor, Tom Baker. Hey. And uh, the story that we're going to ram him into is The Power of Three. Um, mm. Yes. Bit of a challenge, this one. Tom Baker being rammed into a thing. That never happened in his life, does it? <laughs> no. Unless he was rammed into a pub. <laughs> Just ramming him out of the pub you'd have trouble with. <laughs> this is quite a difficult one. I think it might need yeah. some, some serious adaptation. So uh, what I thought was maybe to kind of kick us off, before we come to any life-changing decisions, I could run through the plot as it stands. Yeah, it's a bit different from... Um... Slight change of format. What we've done so far, yeah. Slight change of format. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll work. If we only talk about this for like 20 minutes, you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, we've got the Power 3, initially made in the Stephen Moffat era in 2000 and something. And uh, the... The man got, with the facts. Yeah, I've got all the research here. It was made you in... Are Andrew Pixley. The year began with a two. I've researched Good. That. I love Good. That Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I haven't actually researched that. Um, <laughs> 2 AD. <laughs> it's 2012. 2012. Yeah. Thank you. It began and ended with a 2. You don't get facts like that anywhere else. <laughs> no. We give Again, you facts. The quality content we're becoming renowned for. <laughs> Podcast with facts. Not myth. You want facts? We've got facts. We've got <laughs> facts by the dozen. Yes. Or maybe not that many. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, the uh, Doctor's companions, Amy and Rory, have uh, actually left the TARDIS and are dealing with real life. And uh, I think the episode opens with a voiceover from Amy uh, talking about the year of the slow invasion. So it starts with uh, a series of boxes. uh, There's boxes turned up on lawns and uh, places like the Taj Mahal. And the Doctor's there. And um, yeah, they kind of trying to investigate these boxes, but they can't really find out much about what's going on with them. And one, one of the nice keys early on is that the Doctor's brought down to Earth and staying there for a bit, staying put. He does stay there for a little bit, yeah. Which is unusual to them, you know, it yeah. makes a big thing about it. I, I quite like that. Yeah. The first thing that happens is UNIT turns up uh, with Kate Stewart, who is their scientific advisor. This was going to be really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Good. Well, now he's got any chance of a cup of tea. What? 
Or coffee. My friend and I have had a very trying experience. Haven't we had a trying experience, Harry? Very trying, Doctor. So I guess we should decide which Tom team we're doing it with. Um, I think when we discussed this before, I believe the main alternatives were kind of like season 17 with Romano yeah. and K9, or somewhere around, yeah. probably, I would guess maybe season 13 with yeah. Har- Harry and Sarah, which has the advantage that units around at that point. Well, it, so. I mean, I mean, season basically putting it in the place of Terror of the Zygons makes the most sense because yeah, at the end of Revenge of the Cybermen or whatever we have in place of it, the Doctor gets a message on his Spears Time Telegraph. Um, <laughs> saying, Come home, Doctor, there's bad shit going on. Um, because the Brigadier by this yeah. point is very erudite, um, <laughs> yeah. right? Famously known for saying, Bad shit going on, Doctor. Five friends are <laughs> and he's like, I can't come home, I'm doing Disney time. <laughs> so, um, but 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 the season 17 version of it is glorious because basically it's the horns of Naimon to my mind. It's a pantomime. Yeah. It's you know it starts out in hospital sets like angels, like the repurposed angels, because that's mm. what's going on at the time. Um, and Tom's running around that, which would be great. That would be really fun to see Tom in contemporary late seventies, you know, England. We've seen him in, in contemporary late seventies Paris. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we haven't in time around because who knows who gets City of Death? Um, I kind of hope it's Hartnell, but yeah. Um, <laughs> It did occur to me that of all the 20th century script editors, uh, Douglas Adams is probably the only one who might possibly consider doing a script, anything like this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, Harry and Sarah got the advantage as well. I mean, if Harry and Sarah have been on Earth for, for a year, I want them to get married because I'm just that much of a big romantic. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to think like that. And it probably would have happened in the 70s, but I can't see Sarah going for it. Harry would. I want that scene where the doctor turns up and says, ah, Sarah Jane Smith. And she's like, she takes him to one side and says, actually, it's it's uh, Mrs. Sullivan now. And she shows him the ring. <laughs> Tom is... Yeah. Um, Tom is flabbergasted. Then, I can see you're busy, but uh, what about Sarah? Sarah? That sounds like Sarah. So the doctor sticks around for about four days observing the boxes, and then he gets bored. Uh, he does the house up, paints the fence, and then he goes. He's off. I, I, I think. I think Tom. Yeah, the whole bit of, of Tom being at home with them and painting the fence. I can't be doing with that. That's not going to work with Tom. Tom's standing in the garden, staring into the middle distance. And Sarah comes out and goes, "You're right." And he goes, "I walk in eternity." And then she goes, "All right," and has a Bacardi. Um, Either that, or he's building something inexplicable that they don't need at all. He's just yeah. building some. You might, you might be building a incredible uh, machine in their garden. You might be building an antique. Because of course, in the Tom Baker era, he couldn't steer the TARDIS. Still, could he? Uh, he he could a little bit, I think, couldn't he? It kind of it comes back to it could when it suited him yeah. towards the end, but not 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 in the early season. So if we're doing like season twelve stroke thirteen, mm. um, then and I'll happily always stroke season thirteen. I think what you do here is that you have it as the finale of the Pertwee era. It's the beginning of season 13. Um, and he goes back to uni, he goes back to his lab and all those things. And it's kind of, you, you spend a bit of poignant time. They wouldn't have done it then. But you spend a bit of time with, with Tom just kind of ruminating and doing wonderful Tom speeches about being indomitable, about, about what it's like to be a Time Lord and changing all the time and, and 
you know, leaving people things behind. And it's kind of like, you know, he's going to leave now. It's kind of like, right, I'm done with unit. That that was then. This is now. Um, and it's, it's it, you do it as a big finale to that era. Goodbye to the brig. Goodbye to Harry. Um, that's why they can't get married. Because Sarah's going to go off to them. I know. I mean, if they get married, they're getting divorced in like two years' time. But I mean, <laughs> just the old romantic in me, just you know, ah, it's Harry Sullivan's <laughs> war. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think I, my, my version of it is you have the Doctor in his lab with the brig, uh, and they're talking about old times a bit. And Tom is really interested in talking about old times. Tom, the actor, isn't no. that into no. talking about Troughton and Pertwee, you know, and, and the invasion by the fear and, and all the Pertwee stories. He, he just. You know, if he wants to do anything with Nicholas Courtney, it's have a drink. Um, <laughs> uh, Nicholas so, Courtney is up for that, and Nicholas Courtney <laughs> is well up for that. Um, maybe they maybe, maybe they go out to Soho and have a drink. You know, and there's boxes and all in this bar in Soho, and Tom's really behaving. What you need, doctors, Miss Shaw herself so often remarked, is someone to pass you your test tubes and to tell you how brilliant you are. Uh, so the year goes by, uh, we get sort of various captions telling us where we are in the year. So we get October, uh, sort of Amy and um, Rory starting to kind of plug into real life. Rory goes full time. Uh, Amy promises to become a bridesmaid months in advance. And we go through the year until we get to about June. So already we're about eight months in. And uh, the doctor pops up again to visit them for a barbecue. What would that be in the 70s? Fondue. Fondue, yeah. He pops around for a fondue. One of those keys pies. They were quite popular in the 70s, weren't they? <laughs> Sorry, so the concept of Sarah and Harry, because it's going to be them having a fondue party, is just being brought into existence here. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> it's like Abigail's party, but done with <laughs> the That's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> um, oh great. <laughs> I'm happy. Already I'm happy. <laughs> you're all right, Doctor. Oh, you're right. A bit of music, too, yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Abigail's party, though, is Doctor Who. It's glorious. I guess for those that don't know, we should explain. Abigail's party is a BBC play from the 1970s, starring Alison Steadman. And the bloke who was in it, who no one knows the name of. I don't know the name of him. Alison Steadman was in it. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I'm thinking it was Clive Swift, but perhaps it wasn't. I don't know. No, it's not Clive Swift. No, no idea. Can't remember now. There'd be an interview if it was where, with him saying, kind of like, you know, Abigail's party wasn't really important, you know. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. We won't put it in the show notes. <laughs> there are show notes? Wow. <laughs> Who's doing them? Blame me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't put it in the show notes because there aren't any show notes. But uh, if there were. Let's call them shows. It's quicker shows. and more to the point. This is the 21st century. Shows. Sure. See, so we'd have to look it up, like, you know. Hang on. <laughs> I think Abigail Scott is 1976, isn't it? I can 1977. Cut. You failed. Seven? Oh, I was wrong. Oh, that's yeah. fake news, you think? Yeah, fake news. Years. Fake news. Yeah, yeah. Never believe anything you hear on the internet. Okay. Tim Stern. Tim Stern's the husband. Tim Stern. Yeah, Tim Stern. And it's got Janine Javitsky oh, in it as well. Isn't, Tim, oh, isn't, yes. he, isn't he the villain in the first Whitaker story? It was a Tim Shaw gag, but it didn't work, so let's move on. All right. Ah, I was thinking David Whittaker. I was thinking David Whittaker as well. How? <laughs> they're showing our age. Wow, non tuned wow, into the one there I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the David Whittaker. We should just stop now. We're just very old. 
this isn't working. Let's start to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what they should have said about the power of three. But there we are. Yeah. Actually, no, I, I, I think it works really well to begin with, but we'll get to that. Sorry, Baz, carry on telling us the story. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, the... Like the this is the Jackanori bit. Jackanori. Jackanori. Well, feel free to jump in, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the Doctor whisks them away for uh, some adventures. Uh, turns out by the time they get back, they've been away for seven weeks, but they, they turn out, come back for the same barbecue. And it's a bit where they're kind of, they're hiding under Henry VIII's bed. And yeah, Henry's yeah. agreed to get married to him. Um, and the Zygons mentioned. Yeah. It's all played for laughs. But you think, you know, if Henry VIII finds his prospective wife under the bed with two other blokes, they're all going to the tower to get executed. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or, or if a Zygon does. Oh. We'll not go to the tower. We'll go to the Zygon ship with all its bubules. They should have made that episode. <laughs> I'd watch bubules. <laughs> bubules. Zygon to me. It's great. Disgusting habit. So they get back again. Brian's not very happy with them, but the doctor decides to stay for a bit. So um, we come to July. And this entire time, I should mention that um, Brian is Rory's dad. Yes. Uh, so and brilliant. Very good. Mark Williams. In, in terms of writing and performance, brilliant. Yeah. Bernard Cribbins gets all the attention, but, but Brian's really up there in, in terms of, you know, Companions, dads. Yeah. Yeah. Pity he wasn't in more, to be honest. Yeah. 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 It's a shame. Yeah. Bring yeah. him back to the 60th. Yeah. <laughs> Just him. Yeah. I am Will. It occurred to me when I was watching it that um, the whole thing about these boxes suddenly appearing and people not knowing what to do with them. So they take them into their homes and they're collecting them and what have you is very like, I don't know if anybody's read um, Trillions by Nicholas Fisk. Uh, yeah, yeah, from the yeah. 70s and it's all yeah. about all these crystals that come down that appear and people oh, are just bringing them in their homes and... bloody hell. yeah yeah it occurred to me that it's quite like that and i think it, it might possibly be like more like that instead of the boxes it might be like kind of you know crystals of some sort you know well it occurred to me but you know robert holmes has already done this with daffodils in like yeah. you know a quarter of the time you know um I mean, you know, if we're seriously doing this as a four-part Tom Baker story, I think probably they would have that just as the backstory, you know. Um, yeah. The Doctor turns up. He's already got uh, Harry's dad on the case. He's been watching these <laughs> things for the last year, and now we're hearing about Harry's it for the first dad. time. Ah. Harry's, Harry's dad. Who's that going to be? Loving it. Oh, well, great. I was thinking about Harry's dad, and I think, well, who's yeah. of the right sort of square-jawed, yeah, yeah. Sort of vintage. And I came up with Kenneth Moore. Kenneth Moore. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Kenneth Moore is Harry's dad. So Brian. <laughs> That's my head canon. <laughs> Brian Sullivan. <laughs> Brian Sullivan. He was still alive then, wasn't he? He was. He was from Ilford. I lived in Ilford for a while. Um, and, and they had a Kenneth Moore Memorial Theatre there. Hmm. Moore Memorial. He's married to Angela Douglas. Lucky fella. So. Mm. Oh, please be quiet. Uh, so, yeah, Brian's been watching Cubes for the whole year and uh, making notes. He hasn't really 
sort of seeing them do anything, although we have seen them flickering a little bit while he's not looking. There was something that was horrible that happened there. When you turned your head to the side, it kind of, on my screen, it kind of melded with my head. So it was the back of your head on your screen and the front of my head on mine. You see, on my screen, I'm above you, so it's, it's not an issue. Right. Right, right. I'm right. down at the bottom. Right, you're Paul down the bottom. Me and Paul, me and Paul, is literally yeah. looking down. Right ah. Ah. And, uh, so it was yeah. kind of like an Alistair Pearson book cover. With, yes, it's it, 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 exactly what, absolutely spot on what it was like. Yes, <laughs> apart from just the back of Basil's head, which is the one that's got the hair. So in fairness, fine. <laughs> you know, I just watched um, Goldeneye again for the first time in years, and the oh. title sequence is wonderfully strange. Uh-huh. I think there's a mention during the uh, the episode of Janus, you know, like the two-headed Roman god, yeah. and it's yeah. represented in the tiles by these two women's heads kind of merging together. It's Phil Morris Binder, isn't it? Yeah. One of them smoking a cigar, and the other one, a gun comes out of her mouth and shoots. And it's... <laughs> I, sometimes, is it just me, or do you wish you lived in the world of James Bond titles? I mean, that's reality. <laughs> that's the most surreal they've ever been, I think. Get out of bed in the morning, which is probably made of coffee. Um, and, and, and you yawn and stretch, and a golden woman walks past, and you kind of you, you shoot her, um, obviously, because yeah. you've got a gun and you're wearing a suit now, even though you just got out of your coffee bed. Yeah. Um, and it's not much made of coffee, just kind of a lake of you know, viscous brown. Um, yeah, yeah, surrounded by sort of nude Nazi women, yeah, so painted gold, everything's gold, and there's, there's always card playing, so card, sweetie, card, all that sort of bit. Um, yeah, isn't that a better world to wake up in than <laughs> post-Brexit Britain? Where's the shop? Yeah, you need a shop. Why? It would be like a, 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 an enormous woman's head. She would kind of open her mouth and <laughs> that the shop would be in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be, like, be like the advert, the Citroen advert or Renault with, with Grace Jones in about 1984. Oh, yeah, the car comes out. Yeah, her, yeah her head came up and it opened up and it was metal and the car came out and, and it closed down again and went away because and I thought that was I, to be honest I think that's real I think that's Grace Jones's life that's what she does <laughs> you know, mass, throws her head massive comes up above the silver ground disgorges a car goes away again Grace Jones that sounds plausible anyway also in a Bond film also <laughs> in, in the previous Bond film bringing us bringing us round in, in, in a gorgeous full circle so beautiful it could have been written by Andrew Smith himself yeah, it's that scene, isn't it, in A View to a Kill, where uh, Roger Moore gets into bed with her and you just seriously fear for him. <laughs> just... <laughs> 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 I found that difficult to watch at the time and now because Grace Jones was, what, in her 20s or early 30s and Roger Moore was about 70. Yeah. Um, you know... She would snap him in half, you know. Bless him. Um, but she would snap him in half, but it's a bit dodgy. It's a bit, <laughs> bit kind of like, come on, mate, you know. At your age, um, the last three films he's been kind of wrinkly at that point, and then you get sort of young girls sort of grinning at him. Really, yeah, that's that's seventies Bond. Really, you know, he's just getting yeah. progressively older. The thing is that what 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 occurred to me um, the other week was uh, at the time of For Your Eyes Only, people were starting to say Roger Moore was too old, and they're going, "Oh, he's not believable. Yeah. He's, he's too old." And he was the same age as Daniel Craig is now. But he looked significantly older. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. You know, people are aging more slowly. I always say, look at Patrick Troughton. We're all older than Patrick Troughton was when he started playing the Doctor. Present time, I'm to 
You're listening to the Three Old Farts Talk About James Bond podcast. The power of Three Old Farts, yep. Middle-aged <laughs> farts. Not old farts yet, just merely yeah. middle-aged farts. Middle-aged farts. I remember the Bond middle-aged films. Uh, well, I don't like that, do I? I mean, I do. Right. <laughs> okay, so Doctor Who. Uh, Rory's dad, Brian, has been watching the cubes for most of the year. Um, he hasn't seen them do anything, though we've seen them sort of twinkle with lights occasionally. And in Rory's hospital, there's a sinister little girl and a couple of guys with kind of weird-shaped mouths who are kind of taking people away. Megarians. Megarians, are they? Yeah. Megarians. Look at them. They've got the same mouths as the Megarians. The Megarians. Who are the Megarians? I forget the Megarians. They're the, they're the arseholes from Terror of the Vervoids. <laughs> of course. And go, yeah. and go simply a bromide at you and go, because <laughs> I mean, smug. Um, <laughs> Megarians. 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 Yes. That's my, my head cannon. Megarians. Random Megarians. Random Megarians. But they can breathe oxygen, which the Megarians couldn't. Well, they're clever Megarians. Just, you know. Clever <laughs> Megarians. Yeah, anyway, so um, the Doctor's been on Earth for a few weeks at this point. He is, um, I think he's playing a computer game or something. When uh, the cubes uh, finally come to life, and Amy gets stabbed in the hand. Uh, the doctor's attacked. Cube opens up and fires stuff at him. Rory takes his dad to the hospital. And then the doctor and Amy go to unit in the Tower of London. And then there's a scene. It's very, in retrospect, it's very Chibnall, in which the plot just stops. Yes. And the doc- <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it starts really well. Yeah. It's nicely plotted. It's quite tight. And then suddenly it's going, oh, you stop. You stop writing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the plot stops. Amy and uh, the Doctor go and sit by the Thames and have a little heart-to-heart for about two to three minutes. Yeah. Um, things start up again. They run it back into the Tower of London. And uh, the Cubes are now having a countdown. They start from seven. In the hospital, Brian gets captured by the Megarians and taken yeah. to a spaceship. They're um, clever. They're clever like that. They're clever Megarians. Watch them. Watch the Megarians. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, Megarians. Ooh. And uh, Rory follows them. And uh, ends up in the same spaceship. Nice spaceship. It's a nice set. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, the cubes count down until they reach zero, and then they kind of open, but there's nothing in them. And uh, we've been building tension up to this point, and it's just anticlimax. It's a metaphor for modern society, isn't it? I mean, you know. It's a metaphor for the Chris Chibnall era. Yeah. Because that too. Apart from it's not cuboid, as far as we know. May turn out to be. Who knows? Mm. Timeless cube. Next series has got six episodes, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Series that's not out yet at time of recording. Yes. So, uh, yeah, people start experiencing heart failures around the world, as does the doctor. Um, he kind of one of his hearts fails. Somebody mentions at one point that it's, ham- it's affected a third of the people around the world. So that's a third yeah. of the human population has just died, which would seem like a major plot point. Yeah. They kind of come back, though, don't they? Later I on. think they do yeah. come back. They bring Spoiler. them back somehow. <laughs> oh, we revived them from death. Have you? Wow. Apparently, yeah, they get revived from death later on. Because it's the Moffat era, isn't it? You know, everybody's dead. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> it's, it's unusual. Rory's dead. No, no, he's back. It you know. started with the Teddy movie. That's where it all began. You know, the title of the kind of angel dust. <laughs> it's unusual that they do it with nearly three billion people. Yeah. That's Jim. <laughs> 
the chimmer. Now, you, you see, the thing is, if the new series was under the control of the clever Megarians, it wouldn't have been like that. It would have been, to a large extent, all about Mogar. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, hey, I, I, maybe I'd watch Mogar. I'd watch Mogar. We'd all watch Mogar, let's face yeah. it. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be like Triangle. It'd be like the Triangle of Doctor Who spin-offs. Triangle <laughs> being uh, a 1981 soap opera that's genuinely considered to be the worst thing ever. <laughs> So is this the pattern where we explain every kind of obscure pop culture reference from the 70s? <laughs> oh, God. It's the Hyperion going to Mogar and back. It's the Mogar run. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Captain Tonka Travis. It's Tomic Bork on board. Tomic Bork isn't. Tomic Bork's the engines. <laughs> ah, the wolves of winter. That sort of thing. You know, like the ship goes. What ship? You know you want to. It's got Kate O'Mara in it. As Mogar. We're three episodes in and we've lost the plot already. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Which is, you know, more time than it took Triangle. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Doctor identifies that Roy's hospital is one of uh, the portal sources. There's like seven portal sources. I don't know what the significance of seven is. It, it crops up quite a lot. but I, There I are don't... seven levels. Paul said so. Yeah, yeah. In the 60s. Mm-hmm. Possibly off his tits on something. Who knows? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to defend Beetle, but but he might have been, you know. Can I be of assistance? Would you care for some tea? That would be very nice, thank you. Yeah, so uh, the doctor identifies that Rory's hospital is one of the uh, portal sources. Uh, so the doctor and Amy go there. They find the portal fairly quickly in a lift. And then they make it to the spaceship, indeed, uh, where we meet the Shakri, uh, being played by um, Stephen Burkhoff. Stephen Burkhoff, who, you know, by the evidence, apparently is also off his tits. (laughs) Oh, my God. My God. Yeah. At this point, I absolutely... Well, I'll come to this. Carry on. (laughs) So, yeah, the, the Shakri is a race of exterminators, apparently. Um, Which Doctor Who's got covered, actually. Doctor Who's got that covered really well. Yeah, there's been a few of them, yeah. Of yeah. all series, Doctor Who's probably got it covered best. Uh, so they're going to use the cubes to wipe out humanity. Uh, so Burkhoff's there just long enough to give that explanatory dialogue. <laughs> and then he just long enough to pick up his paycheck. Just, yeah, and piece just, together from fragments. Just, <laughs> he just vanishes, and yeah, it the episode kind of winds down from that point. It, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as we said earlier, the doctor uses the cubes to switch people back on, uh, fixing the deadness. Only been dead for about you know half an hour. Yeah, absolutely. The necrosis has already started, and then the ship explodes for reasons. Yeah. Kate thanks the doctor. Um and then they 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 all go home. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um at the end they they have a debate about whether they're gonna uh, travel with the doctor some more. Is it a mass debate? Uh it is a mass debate between all three of them. Excellent. And it's an enjoyable scene. And Brian. Uh, And Brian (laughs) Brian gives them his blessing, basically, which he might live to regret. It's good to have Brian's blessing for a mass debate. (laughs) They are now Brian blessed. (laughs) Oh, get me caught. (laughs) 
um, and then they leave. And uh, this kind of is odd scene because there's quite a twinkling lights in the background. So you think, well, is it December again? Because the last time I checked, it was July. Yeah. It's just kind of, we've come back around to Christmas for the final scene. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> then they got leave. barbecue lights. Have they got barbecue lights going on? People have barbecue lights. Do people have barbecue lights? Do the people have Christmas twinkly yeah. lights for their barbecues? That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we are doing. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, at least three quarters of this Power of Three as it stands in the Power of Tom. That's like the first episode, really, isn't it? So, well, uh, yeah. So, what we're talking is the Pyramids of Mars structure, really, isn't it? Where in episode mm. four, we'll go to the alien place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first three episodes are really atmospheric and, and, and well constructed. Having said that, I, I like episode four of Pyramids of Mars. So, thank you. Actually, I was just going to say, um, I watched President Pyramids of Mars recently. And mm. uh, what's extraordinary about that for a story of that era is that there's such a lot happens in episode three. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. not at all your typical sort of padding episode three. There's no. a lot happens in Pyramids of Mars episode three. Episode three of Pyramids of Mars is my first Doctor Who memory. I watched it and uh, I don't know, I, I find the entirety of Pyramid, Pyramids of Mars overrated. Um. I know it's sacrilege, but yeah, you know, this is kind of there's not many sort of interesting characters in it. Not a lot really happens, and then you know, episode four isn't that great either. <laughs> it's kind of. I eat danger for breakfast. I don't. I prefer cereal or croissants. You can't rely on getting back and go all this going back and forth and, and playing with zygons and, and stuff. I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't think it would. It would be really expensive. They wouldn't. Wouldn't. Yeah. You know. Uh, I don't think they'd even consider it. Um, no. I mean, the thing that occurred to me was that, I mean, they, they call it the year of the slow invasion and the story yeah. is meant to take place over a year. But yeah. for like, you know, 11 months and 30 days of that year, nothing happens really. And then the Doctor Who adventure takes place at the end in a few hours, same as usual, really. I had an idea. I was thinking um, who could play the, the, the Burkhoff part. Mm. <laughs> And uh, I was trying to think of actors in the 70s whose career was on the downturn <laughs> and were well known for being um, sort of difficult to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought of Ian Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Hendry. Ian Hendry. Great. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he was kind of notorious for yeah. being hard to work with and he was a bit of an alcoholic. And <laughs> So is it about the, about the original Power of Three, is it generally known that it is pieced together from fragments? Well, to be honest, I didn't know until quite recently. Yeah. Because I, I, I know someone who worked on it. Um, and he was an absolute twat. I mean, unremittingly a twat for no reason at all. Utterly unprofessional. And and when you said earlier, when Bass said earlier that you know he gets the, the, the plot out just about, yeah, just about is what they can put together yeah. from it. Um, apparently the regulars were furious and just got the fuck on with it. It's professional. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. Well, that's why they changed it, don't they? Because, I mean, originally... He I'm was never going to work be... with him, so what the hell? Yeah. Originally, he was going to be, like, the proper villain, but then they changed it so he's just a recording or a, a robot or something. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's why he just disappears and the plot stops. I mean... I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that's a retcon. I've got a feeling that's because he was such a twat. Yeah, and definitely, definitely. Yeah, couldn't get to say a line. 
I mean, it looks like they did it while they were still filming because they were on the set there talking about him just not being real. And then, yeah, the doctor switches everything off and it just, you know, the story stops. Yeah. Uh, Which wouldn't happen. Yeah, he literally just disappears and he literally just blinks out of existence and that's the last you see of him. Yeah. (laughs) He's off to catch his bus. That's it. He's like, I'm going to exterminate humanity. Oh, bye now. Yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't have that under Robert Holmes. No. Uh, Even with Ian Hendry. But Ian Hendry, yeah. right. so, so Ian Hendry is the uh, it's the heavy, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Has he got bubble wrap on him? Oh, I'd have something on yeah. the uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking that uh, the first episode of the four parter would be just all the way up to the boxes opening, really, wouldn't it? Maybe that's the first cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. it's the countdown, and then it gets to zero, yeah. and then you go, and then we've got three episodes. Thank you. We've got three episodes to spin out of what's left. (laughs) (laughs) Then in that case, structurally, it makes more sense for the boxes opening to be the second cliffhanger, doesn't it? I don't think they would have two episodes where... Or is that the heart attacks? It's the heart attacks. Where nothing happens, yeah. It's the heart attacks, the second cliffhanger. I don't think they'd have done the heart attacks thing in the 70s. I think they'd have found it in poor taste, which I think it it, it is in poor yeah, but that's not, you know that's not like as as close to home, um, yeah. you know. Probably for a lot of people in the seventies, you know, I think it would have more have been they were turning people to stone, or you know, they were, yeah, you know, making people petrifying people or something, you know. That's bad, really. Yeah, it just seems very, it yeah. seems very dark for the seventies, and not in the kind of gothic way, in a kind of. In a kind of oh, seven o'clock at night way, yeah. Aren't, aren't we clever? We're in the twenty-first century, so are we? Not just before Brewster. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, are we settled on Harry and Sarah then? I think, I think Harry and yeah. Sarah and, and the last yeah. gasp of unit. You know, the brigadier yeah. calls them home, and Harry Harry invites them over to his place for a fondue with with Brian with Brian, Brian on a boat. I think he would live on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd have a houseboat. Him and his dad living on a house, but there's a series in that. You'd have have a Georgian terrace because Surgeon Lieutenant Harry Sullivan's from from a a naval family. That's why they live in a boat. (laughs) Very well, if you want to go with the obvious. But they wouldn't do that because it's really hard to fill. Actually, no, I actually wanted it. So I'll just. I definitely think there's a series of. How many got next to Tarot then? The final shot needs to be Brian on his boat disappearing beneath the waves. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely thinking it's Sullivan and Son is a is a series, <laughs> a classic um, series that was never made. Sort of Doctor Who meets the Alien line. Well, it's just the Sullivans, isn't it? I mean, you know, it may have been done in the 70s, but hey. Oh dear. As the doctor being all alien and remote and Harry invites him back for a meal. Yes, he's dad. Just standing just... around on, on riverbanks, <laughs> just, just looking at the sky, going, ah, oh, eternity. Um, <laughs> While the rest of them are listening to Dennis Russos. <laughs> they are. They are and, eating and, their fondue. And, yeah. What a cheesy and, stick, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> Your keys in this bowl. We need to explain who Dennis Russos is. <laughs> no. no. We're not going to. No. Last, last two Google is. Explain who Demis Roussos is. I think we should cast Demis Roussos in a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who else, but. Uh... Well, a Dalek. He's just an ambulatory tent. Uh... <laughs> that was my Demis Roussos impression. Okay. Marvelous. <laughs> <Right. laughs> 
How about time ram? Time ram? <laughs> you couldn't do it in that old crock. Wolf, time ram. Londoners. So uh, the box is already there. Have we kind of dispensed with the year beforehand or, or, or what's, what's going on? We've kind of got to invent everything, haven't we, from now on? Basically, yeah. I mean, as you said, the story is spent in episode one. The actual um, Doctor Who plot is quite briefly dealt with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if we're saying that episode one sets it up and maybe Brian's already been watching the boxes for the Brigadier or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then things start happening. That's the end of episode one. Mm. End of episode two is the heart attacks, right? I'm, I'm convinced by that because it's dramatic. Or people turning stone. Needs... It needs more... Um... It doesn't work with the Doctor, though, because I, I do like the cleverness of the Doctor having two hearts, and that's how he gets around it. Hmm. Um, I think it me- needs more physical villains. It needs more than, you know, two, two yeah. orderlies Bulgarians. in the hospital. Yeah, it needs more of them. Bulgarians. The Doctor Who all Bulgarians. Yeah. I agree entirely. Yeah, I think if we expand it to four episodes, then uh, the last two episodes they need to turn up on mass Bulgarians. Yeah, uh, maybe we've dealt with the boxes at that point, and then, I mean, the guy in the spaceship—if he's not Stephen Burkoff, if, you know, he's Ian Hendry—he can actually be a yeah. real person and actually respond yeah. to the Doctor defeating his plans. Yeah. Again, I think it's like pyramids. But structurally, it becomes pyramids of Mars. You've got Burkoff. Or rather, Henry sat there talking to a screen, mm. you yeah. know, not actually able to physically affect the action or take part in it, but but nevertheless, somehow behind it all. Um, if the kind of cube dudes are going to turn up kind of en masse, um, I think it makes sense for the uh, third of the population to be them, for them to somehow become, I mean, it's, it's more uh, of a hackneyed yeah. idea, but it's more what they would have done in the 70s, I think. Genetic thing, then. Yeah. Put there by the X ones or something by by ancient yeah. civilizations when, yeah. when Atlantis was destroyed for the fourth time. Yeah, I mean, actually, can we have this alien race destroying Atlantis because it's going <laughs> to destroy Atlantis? <laughs> Plus, we don't, we don't know when the underwater menace or the demons are going to come in time round. You know, they could be afterwards. Yeah. Those <laughs> stories could be Colin Baker's The Underwater Menace. Imagine it occurred to me uh, when I was thinking about time ram that. Uh, it suddenly occurred to me that some of the doctors are going to get a much bigger slice of pie than they had. Me too. So me you too. Could have, we you could, could have, have Colin Baker with as many episodes as. Yeah. As, or a proper seven years of the McCoy era and like two yeah. and a half years for Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Those of McGann, you know. Yeah. And that's <laughs> it with McGann's. McGann's tricky because if McGann carries on and gets those seasons, then does he carry on through the 90s? That <laughs> changes the web of time. Because then RGD mm. isn't bringing it back, he's just continuing it. If we even have RTD and Rose and all that sort of it, who knows? Who knows? I bet, I bet we get Rose and Rosa next to each other. That'd be great. And I bet they're both Hartnell. <laughs> 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 just, just, just to fuck us around. <sighs> right, so the character is... Yeah, so Ian Hendry is kind of a real villain. Yep. Yeah. And he calls his mates down, the Bulgarians. The Bulgarians, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The lift Bulgarians. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a bit of a proper invasion going on. I would guess the last two episodes, really. This is this is where this is where Unit gets his last stand, and this is where the brig goes, right, come on then, lads, and off we go. And and well Yates is out of it, yeah. Benton's there. Benton's giving it some. If we need to pad it out, we can just have some of that kind of 
season seven ambassadors of death type ridiculously long kind of 10 minute unit action scene actually i'll tell you what this is this is this is um like the sergeant bloke attacking the crinoids and seeds of doom with his like yeah. laser thing um <laughs> you know unit bringing its latest stuff if unit had any sense the pick up a disintegrator gun from robot and go oh this yeah. thing is salvaged i'll tell you what there you go dealt with I like the idea that one third of the population has kind of turned into these enemy aliens and they're yep. attacking now. Yep. Yep. Um, so Unit can't just shoot them. I'd, I'd say that's exactly how they would have done it in the 70s, isn't it? I mean, they, yeah. they would have. Uh... People are constantly getting taken over in the 70s and having their minds controlled. I mean, Sarah's doing it like yeah. every other story. And she can't breathe. She can never breathe when it happens. <gasps> I can't breathe. <laughs> um, every single time. Not to denigrate this lady who was lovely. Yeah. It would be nice at this point in her career to have her go back to being a journalist for a little bit, actually, you know, investigate the mystery. Yeah. Because she's kind of... Yeah. She starts off very feminist with her own job and that, and then by the Tom Baker era, she's playing it. She's playing it as if she's playing like a 12-year-old. Yeah. A 12. She's playing a 12. (laughs) (laughs) Not an 11. Not a 13. A 12. She's playing a 12. Marcus, <laughs> and it really works for Harry as well because, of course, he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, you know, he'd when, be when in he the to the local hospital and, and you know starts helping out. Only sailors, though. <laughs> I suppose you know if 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 they spend a year on Earth, then Harry's going to get put back on his ship, isn't he? And isn't going to be part of it. Maybe that happens ship. at the end. Maybe that's why they don't get married. I don't think they get married, Baz. I'm sorry, they don't get married. Man, because Sarah's going to go off with the doctor. Um, and 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 Harry's going to go back to his ship. Maybe Harry's dad is the admiral. He's got he's on his ship. He's got his own ship. I think I th- I think Harry's dad isn't anything to do with the navy or the military at all. I think I think Harry's dad was the failure. He's the old sot um, who Harry doesn't judge because Harry's amazing. Um, and I don't know where his background is. Maybe he was clever with technology or something. Where he should have he should have a a plot function. He should have a you know the last minute. Tom can go, ah, Brian. Um, like Duggan punching Scarab. Yeah, yeah. Something you set up all the like Duggan punching things and Tom taking the piss. Yeah. Um, and then at the last minute, Duggan punching things is what solves it. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe he disapproves of Harry being in the Navy and he's like, oh, going down. It wasn't good enough for you, was it? You had to join the bloody Navy. What, Kenneth Moore? Really? No, Boxer. <laughs> Find an old boxer who taught Harry how to fight, and you know, sort of from like uh, the 1930s. Yeah. He used to have a big mustache um, and walk around. Singlets, <laughs> singlets, singlets. Um, yeah. No, sorry. I was thinking of Crown of the Monsters, where he isn't playing Harry. Yeah. Damn. Because you know, all, all the Queensby rules stuff. That's Ian Martyr. Ah, yeah, and, yeah. Being naval, um, but that's not Harry. So, right, ignore me. I think they go slightly too far with making Harry the fool. I think he were doing better if oh, they, yeah. they had made him a bit more adventurous. Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice if they kind of expanded his home life and we get to learn a little bit about him before he goes, you know. Um, yeah, yeah that would be good. Maybe he lives at home with his mother and his sister, Jacqueline Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> Who would his mother be? Like, sort of... Beryl Reed or somebody. Beryl Reed for a herd. Someone like that. For a herd. He's got the Jacqueline Pierce. 
Who's all kind of like Harry? Oh, Harry. The genetics of this family is confusing me. Okay. Yeah, well, it's time stuff. You know, it'll turn out later that it's all connected in some time way. <laughs> Maybe Brian's uh, a radio ham, and the doctor uses him to uh, set up a radio signal that confuses the yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sets them back to their home planet. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's a kind of professory type, professorial professor Brian Sullivan. Like like Kettlewell. Yeah, with yeah. crazy hair. I prefer him being an Xboxer, you know, you know, like string vest and all that sort of bit. Like 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 Henry Cooper in the seventies, splash it all all over, you know, that sort of <laughs> thing, like that type. Maybe Harry is the black sheep of the family. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, well you've got Jacqueline Pierce there. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't you be evil like your sister? Look at her, she's proper evil. <laughs> Look at her standing there with a the maximum power. <laughs> I say you do that. Well, I say, I mean, you know, I have travel in space, you know. It's... Right, sorry, where are I? Yeah. Uh, somewhere around episode three or four, I think. Right. We need an episode three cliffhanger. What's the cliffhanger to episode three? Is it the reveal of, is it when they come face to face, like Pyramids of Mars? When, when Tom Baker meets Ian Hendry, yeah. and my God, the drinking begins to happen. <laughs> oh, my, my Christ. I mean, that's how he defeats him in the drinking contest. Well, Harry, well, well, Jacqueline Pierce. Strolls out to go to her job as head of federation, um, <laughs> as head of as, as head of Sarah's newspaper, which is just taken over because it's all incestuous. And she gets threatened by a stone person and goes aye, um, and and a stone person breaks through the door and has a go at Harry and Brian. Uh, where is Sarah? Is Sarah with the doctor on the spear ship? Yeah, I reckon probably. Yeah, right, right. So Sarah's the doctor on the spear ship. So a stone person, they all get threatened by stone people at the same time who slowly yeah. advance on them. There, there's, yeah, there's a Hitchcock episode three. Ended. Thank you, Doctor. Who's doing the, the music for this? Is it uh, Dudley Simpson? Oh, no, this, this is Bergen. Oh, Bergen, yeah. This is Bergen. So oh, it's Douglas Canfield directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we not have Kerry Blyden? Pa, 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 pa. Oh, oh, the Stone People's theme. Ah, Kerry Blyden. Think about Kerry Blyden. Is I've I've got a CD of Kerry Blyden's music where he's re-recorded some of the Doctor Who stuff again yeah. with a with a kind of jazz orchestra. Yeah. And it's quite good. It's ju- you just think at the time when he was doing that for Doctor Who, he just didn't have the the in- the instruments. You know, he no, just like, I, I think mm. I, I think it's different. I think his music is really good. It's just not right for the stories he's done. So I know yeah. Oh, that's very good. That's a good crumb horn. Um, yeah. But but Death to the Daleks and Revenge, just why why do that? I mean, didn't Philip say so in a memo? It's kind mm. of like, yeah. yeah, no, not again. Um, sticking with Dudley now. Unnecessary. But well, they redid bits of Revenge, didn't they? The, revenge? The, 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 yeah. They re-recorded bits of Revenge. Yeah, it's all it's all recorded. It's all re- I think his original tracks exist. Yeah. Well, I know his original tracks exist. He kept all his stuff. Like like, Chris, like Tristram Carey. Basically, if you have the word Carey in your name, you keep all your Doctor Who recordings. 
Yeah. <laughs> but if the Elephant Man had, had composed music for Doctor Who, he'd have the recordings. Middle name was Carey. Joseph Carey Merrick. Yeah. We bring you the facts. <laughs> the facts. So what happens in episode four then? How are we, how are we wrapping this up? Uh, listen, it... I came up with the cliffhanger to episode three. I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> I like the idea of Brian's the solution. Um, yeah. Maybe with his amateur radio skills. Yeah. And uh, they send the alien spaceship spiraling into the sun. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You Henry kind of going, man, I spit at the or something like that as he dies. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what we could do with here is a nice scene with a brigadier where we kind of say goodbye to him for a while. It's goodbye. Yeah. 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 Thanks yeah. for your service. You know. It's what the Android invasion and Seeds of Doom were trying to do, but they couldn't get Courtney because he was working. Yeah. Um, so you never got, a, you know, proper good. Which I, I always think in, you know, in season thirteen, the fact that you don't get a proper goodbye to the brig is fine because that's Tom. That's that's the fourth Doctor. Right, I'm mm. off. So yeah, yeah, I'm not that anymore. Um, not Doctor Who, but yeah, nice to have a, you know, a send off. Yeah. So he's going. Uh, I'm I'm off to be a maths teacher in a boys' school, and they're all like, really. <laughs> it seems a, seems an unlikely move, Brigadier. <laughs> you know what? After all my experiences of killing alien creatures, I'm going to sell cars, me. And everyone goes, yes, we believe you, Ben Tom. <laughs> Sarah's there going, midlife crisis. <laughs> now he's there going, Bally, just for the hell of it. That's all he says, Bally. Yeah. Uh, bye-bye, Harry. Bye-bye, yeah, Bruce. that'd be sad. So, so, um, yeah. So, Sarah, you, you could do, they wouldn't have done it then, of course, but you would do nowadays a poignant choice where Sarah's looking between Harry and the Doctor and Harry's kind of going, hey, you know, home and, and normality and a sex life. He's down on one day. He's got, he's got the ring out. And, and, and my, frankly, extraordinary flares. Um, <laughs> Tom's going, come on, Sarah. Uh, and obviously she goes with Tom. Go ahead. Time round. The Inspleenment. So is our version better or worse? Than right. Power three. I think it's better. Obviously, it would need a lot of work. It, yeah, it's better because it 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 gives a nice end to the unit. It, it fits into the series better because mm. you get goodbye to the brig and farewell to unit and all that sort of thing and a clean break yeah. at the end of the season. Um, potentially, yeah. I think at the end of season twelve, really. Um, and and off we go. And you've got a lead villain who doesn't piss off halfway through. Uh... Well, as far well, he may have done. He may have done. <laughs> well, um, yeah. the, the production values are off, obviously, vastly less. You know, the lift doesn't look like a real lift; it looks like a set. Um, and and um, Ian Henry's probably got a lot of chroma key going on around him, yeah. and, uh, and his, his head's fizzing. It but, could um, be. When we do these things, we need kind of maybe a third, a third role for production issues. So we need like a chance card. So if we roll the chance card, we get something like Companion goes on holiday for a week. William Hartnell goes on holiday for two weeks. Or, you know, yeah. Tom breaks his collarbone. Yeah, but when Tom broke his collarbone, they carried on. Yeah. yeah. What a trooper. You know, but yeah, just but we just have to talk about, oh, yeah, this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the day they got Sharda finished. Um... <laughs> well, maybe what we could do, I mean, as of time of recording, none of these have gone out as yet. But we could ask listeners to send in suggestions 
and then uh, we could uh, maybe use one every now and again. You know what? We could do that. Thank you, listener. Um, we're very grateful for your existence. Keep listening. Thanks. That's the one listener. That's... The listener. That's the listener. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. It's called Dave. I remember. I was with Pacini before he died. Name drop. I was. I was. I was. The USP of the Power 3 is that the whole thing takes place over a year, but we've kind of dispensed with that, I think, haven't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and... Also, also, another USP of the Power of Three is the title referring to the characters, and that totally works here as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, a nice send off to Harry and Sarah in that way. You know, that that Harry and Sarah and Tom. Yeah, um, yeah. the Power of Three because they really work. They really, I love season twelve for the three of them. I wish Harry had lasted longer. Yeah. Um, I could, I could see why they thought he didn't need to, but he's a really good foil to the Doctor. Um, because Ian yeah. Martha plays it very, very intelligently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's there's um, a friend of mine, fan friend on Twitter, um, fan of the games, who um, is about half our age and, and, and it thoroughly enjoys season 12 and his heroes, Harry. Hmm. He, keeps, he keeps doing pictures of Harry and putting them online. Paul, you may have seen them um, on Twitter. Uh. Yeah, yeah, Oliver. So yeah, Harry Harry works. Harry Harry has survived into yeah. the next yeah. couple of generations. The best crew, in my opinion, the best TARDIS crew. One of them. I can't. I, I can never nail it down to a best one. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's think a, possibly because of my age at the time when I was, you know, that's when yeah, I kind of can yeah. remember it. That's when I started watching it. A lot of them are great. I mean, you know, Ian and Barbara are still kind of. Ian and Barbara are still paradigm, great. really, aren't they? That's yeah, so yeah. so fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. Sarah and Harry are up there. Just uh, and I've always thought Sarah and Harry are are kind of the natural descendants of Ian and Barbara. As yeah. in, Barbara was incredibly independent mm-hmm. and did her own thing and took no shit. Oh, you stupid old man, all that sort of bit. Ian was very much the patrician male. I will protect you. I will thump him type thing. And the Doctor's alien as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not quite sure where you stand purely because you're a human. So, shall we have a go at uh, generating our next episodes? Oh shit! Yes, right. Yay! We should add some bleepy bloopy computer sound effects when we're doing this. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Like. Two, nine, eight. Okay, here we go. Generating. Well, the story is two oh one. The doctor. Is Patrick Troughton. Yay! So, what have we got? 201, you say? Yes. It is. (laughs) The waters of Mars. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell. Well, the Ice Warrior theme's good. Patrick Troughton in the waters of Mars. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, we are giddy <laughs> Oh my giddy oh, Great jumping gobstoppers. <laughs> that doesn't fit in any way at all. Not in any well, way at know, all. It's a base under siege. Well, the only thing I can think marginally is, better than uh, this one. The only thing I can think is it's standing there when the base explodes at the end, going the final end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a challenge, Patrick Troughton. Time Lord Get Victorious, on. Jamie. Ah. In the waters of Mars. Mm. Wow. 
Yeah. Sonic screwdriving the robot to make it go at massive speed. Mm-hmm. That's not going to look good in 1960-whatever. <laughs> Nor is the robot. Um, <laughs> That's going to be fun, though. I'd watch the fuck out of that. So. <laughs> well, I've watched the fuck out of Patrick Troughton, so, yeah. you know, yeah, okay. I wow. mean, half of it would be missing, but, you know, the, it would sound great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got episodes one and four. <laughs> Okay, uh, it's a six part. The rest is animated, yeah. Any snaps for the rest? We've got no companions as well, so we're entirely free. Yeah, oh. that could be interesting. Yeah, Let's think about it. It could be season six B. I know we're getting into all kinds of weird territory there. He's in the space. He's only got Jamie. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. pick up someone at the end who <laughs> becomes a new companion. So we're gonna have we're gonna to have to have Zoe as one of the people on on that base. That's that's challenging. I tell you what, the, the trickiest thing with doing these when you get the kind of modern one and a classic series is yeah. the breaking it into episodes, isn't it? That's the hardest yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. mean there are no cliffhangers in the water of well, I suppose it's uh, a while, but I can see him riding on the robot though, going at high speed, with him going, oh, 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 dear. Well, that sort of it. That could be work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's written on a Dalek, isn't he? On the uh, yes. evil yeah. of the Daleks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Really slow, and it's not going to have flames coming out of the back of it. <laughs> uh, and Jamie's going to be jogging along really slowly next to it in Lime Grove Studios, oh, going, come back, Doctor. Really fast. <laughs> They do it on film. Look at the speed of that thing, Look at the size of that thing. They do it in the healing. It'll be all right. Oh, that's when they see the rocket. That's great. The first the rocket. Look at the size of that. Yes, Jamie, there's a big one, isn't it? Uh, look, look, look at the dampness of that thing, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamie, it is wet, isn't it? Yes, it's very moist. This is Victoria's moistness, Doctor. I recognise it anywhere. <laughs> yes, Jamie, me too. <laughs> And on that bombshell, (laughs) (laughs) and on that bombshell, that's the end of of Time Wrap for this episode. Join us next time for Patrick Troughton in The Waters of Mars. (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) I think as we've proved with this episode, nothing's impossible. Oh, let's wait and see. Nothing's impossible with the power of three. Well, listener, that was Time Wrap. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter. I'm at, at PaulFerry8. Uh, Baz is at, at BazTimeRam. And Rupert is at, at RupertBooth. We also have a Facebook page. Feel free to drop in. I need to thank Ben Jones for providing our music. If you would like to support the production of Time Ram, please consider setting up a subscription at Patreon where you can get all kinds of goodies, probably stickers and things, but not really stickers, but, you know, there should be stickers if it's a proper thing, but, you know, but there won't be. Join us next time for, well, more of the same. Did I do it again without that ramble about stickers? (laughs) I love the way you kind of dug yourself in a hole there.